Hello there. Welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars show that usually recaps the news from a galaxy far, far away, but it is Andor season and we have a brand new TV show to review over the next nine weeks. So yeah, we might talk about a little bit of news, but I think we're going to dig in to Andor like we do when the Bad Batch is out and when the Mandalorian is out and when the Book of Boba Fett, remember that? When the Book of Boba Fett, when that was out, did it all, and we're going to do it again with Andor. It's a little bit of a longer run for this season and for this uh, for this this particular series. I think it's the longest run they've done outside of is it out is it outside of Bad Batch maybe or is it as long as Mando? I forget, but it's a pretty long run, twelve episodes. So it's going to be a fun run up, I think, to the Christmas break, which is terrifying. I am, of course, one of your hosts, Mr. Mark Asquith, the uh, the charmer. Out of the pair when it comes to visual looks, talent, uh, humour and uh, just all-round charm. But if you are wanting a wily little character that'll sneak you into bars, that'll get you in even if you are wearing the wrong shoes, that's going to make sure that you win that Sabacc tournament and you take that ship off the hands of that pesky gambler sat in front of you, you need just one man. The man, the myth, the legend that is... Of course, Mr. Gary Aylett joining us uh, from the remote regions, the unknown regions of Dan Saf. All right, geez. That's what you lot saying it. That's all I've got to say to it, yeah. All right, bruv. I'm not even that far down south these days, mate. Not far from, and closer to you, actually, thinking about it. All days. I heard then was, apples and pears, mate, have you white, give me white. So, to me, you are. That's all you heard, is it? Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I just accidentally bought a suit from some sort of street market. I don't know what's just gone on, but I think I might have just been, you know, tailored by you as I walked past you virtually because that's what you Southerners do. Very good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In the outer rim, that's what we sound like, I suppose. <laughs> I'm Although the irony of that is that we'll probably talk about that today because I'll tell you straight, Andor's got a lot of people from the north of their planets, haven't they? <laughs> Every planet's got a north, mate. Exactly. <laughs> very good. Very good. But yeah, stick with me. I'll get you into all the cool places. Do you remember back in the day, that was a thing. That was definitely mm. a thing when you rocked up somewhere and you didn't have the right shoes on or a shirt or something. You weren't coming in. Not like mate. that these days. Everyone just wears trainers and whatever. <laughs> Don't yeah. get me started on that. Like you're wearing the wrong shoes. No, no, no. These are shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the wrong shoes now. Where's your trainers? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where's your wrong? Air Force Ones? Yeah, sure. Can't wear Air Force One. I mean, they make me too tall. Like Peter Crouch's little brother. Make you too tall? Okay. Yeah, it is. It's weird because, well, <clears throat> excuse me, they make me feel too tall. Um, but we'll mm. get to that in a bit. Um, we will. I'm we'll, sure. We'll, we'll, I'm we'll, sure. We'll, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that in a bit. It's uh, it's been a it's been a quiet week on the Star Wars front. There's not been that. Uh, that much news if I'm honest so you know we're not doing a new show but it doesn't feel bad that we're not doing that because there just hasn't been that much news you know and I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad that we've got Andor because otherwise we might not have got through here yeah? we just might not have got through I'll read you yeah I was doing a bit of uh, had a look around I know we won't we, we we're not going to do news anyway as you said but I had a little look around as I normally do and I was uh, I was proved incorrect by Disney mm. and Lucasfilm you know they didn't 
they didn't pull the rug from under Andor and announce some other stuff. They've just let it ride. So fair play. Can't complain. Exactly. Exactly. Fair play. Well done, Kath. Got your shipping order. Got your shipping order. Refreshing change. Ducks in a row. God, all the batons ready to pass and to run with. Good. Middle management, if there is a boss. Right. We're going to dig into Andor in just a second. We're not going to do the usual. We're not going to do the, what have you been doing in Star Wars? Because we've been watching Andor. All right. So let us know what you think. All right. What did you think of Andor? We've had a few people that support the show over on Patreon, sparkrebellion.com forward slash Patreon, chatting about that this week. We've had uh, Danny Brown talking about it. We've had Drew Toynbee talking about it. Let us know what your opinions are over on Twitter, sparkrebellion.com forward slash Twitter. Right, quick recap. We've had three episodes of Andor, which in itself was quite unusual, but I think where the story was left at the end of these three episodes, which we'll get to, it felt a very logical thing to do. Um, it was like three episodes of here's an insight and incident. Um, you know, act one, storytelling 101. So, you know, fair play. And we find the old Cassian operating five years BBY, you know, before the Battle of Yavin, which I know you like, Gaz, which we'll talk about in a second. And he's basically, he's on a, he's on a planet, which we'll get to, goes off to another planet, does some naughty stuff. Seems to be looking for someone, gets in a bit of trouble with his corporate sector security and set of numpties, uh, you know, kills him. And from there, we descend into sort of a, I don't want to say exposition because it's not really exposition, but we sort of, we find out what's been happening to Cassian Andor on that planet where he has been He's been on this scrap planet, been basically getting hold of Imperial gear and trying to fence it to his clearly ex-girlfriend's mate, who is clearly from the Rebellion, and looks like he's just trying to get a way in to the Rebellion, from what we can tell. You know, he's asking to meet people, and in, in return, it seems like he's got a bit of interest in, uh, in being met by some of these people. Not too much was given away. But we also saw some flashbacks as well to his younger life um, on, on a forest, weirdly a forest mining planet, which we've never fully seen uh, before, I don't think, in Star Wars, well, Star Wars, which was really quite interesting. Clearly took place during the Clone Wars. Um, we saw a few things, which, again, we'll not go too deep into because you want to watch it, but there was a little bit of hang about what's going on there he was rescued by the lady that was to become his uh, what appears to be his adoptive mother throughout the series rescued from his homeworld during the clone wars after well taking down what he was told with some republic guards with separatist logos on their arm so that was very very interesting so like I don't want to go too deep into the, the, the nuance of the plot and the specifics because we'll do that. That's what this episode's for. But just as a very quick recap, that is what we saw in the episode. Three episodes ended with Andor being taken away. Taken away by Selen Skarsgård. Off to Asgard. <laughs> Selen Skarsgård, that's what he said. <laughs> he's, he's not off to Asgard, is he? But he's clearly high up there. He's one of the new characters um, that's been put together for Andor that's clearly up there with Mon Mothma and Bail Organa as one of the uh, delegate of the 2000, you'd think, or certainly a leader of this nascent rebellion, all these cells. So there's a lot to unpack with this, dude. That's a very quick and very broad and very overview of non-specific plot summary. Um, so at least we're not giving too much away. Um, 
But I'm going to just come straight at you for your summary opinion, man. You know, what's, let's go straight in with how would you rate this episode? We're going to start with the rating and your short summary of how you found it, dude. What, what would you give it out of 10? And hmm. tell me why and the what and how you felt about it all. And all that stuff. Yeah. So first of all, nice recap, dude. Very nice. Succinct. I think it's the word to use there. Very good. Out of 10, I would give episode one. I think I would give that. An eight and a half out of ten. Um, just to be clear, you pretty listener, you, we are reviewing episodes one through three. So this is, you sc- you scoring each one separately, Gazla. Yes. Yep. All right, man. So I'd give that an eight and a half, I think. Uh, overall, um, I'm, I'm a, a huge fan of this so far, mate. I, this has really got me, um, I think more than anything, it's got me uh, intrigued as to where we're going to get to some of the overlap with some of the other things that are going on at this time period. So you mentioned the whole uh, five BBY and all that stuff, which is great. I think I think they need to get a bit more consistent with that, if I'm being honest with you. I think they really need to, um, you know, instead of leaving it to sort of, you know, certain characters here and there being sort of ambiguous with things like, oh, it happened when, you know, that other character over there was doing something on this planet back when he was, you know, just tell us, just tell us what the uh, what the old timeline is. And uh, so I like that. And, but because of that very reason, because it's um, 5 BBY, there's obviously a lot of overlap with the stuff that happens within Star Wars Rebels. And there's a lot of overlap with, as you mentioned, some of these other cells that are knocking around and what's going on with Mon Mothma and all that. So more than anything, I'm just really, really excited for the episodes that are to come to show us exactly how that weaves in and out of the other stuff that we've already seen around this time period. Um, the other thing that I really like about it is um, when you watch something like this that is very non... Um, it's, it's almost like the other end of the scale in terms of look and feel and artistic direction and stuff like that. Well, you and I spoke a few times in the run-up to this around how we love the look and feel of some of the things in Solo and how Rogue One felt a bit darker and a bit grittier and stuff like that. This has just taken that and multiplied it by 100. It's um, It's got a very dark feel to it, very adult, very mature in its, in its delivery. Um, that's not to say that kids can't watch it, but it's just got that feel of, you know, there's the odd swear word in there as well. It's a bit like, it's a bit like what Torchwood was to Doctor Who. So Tortured was this kind of more adult-themed thing, but it was set in the same world, and it's got that same feel to it where, you know, stuff's going on, but it's delivered in a bit more of a, a bit more of an adult way, and I, I really like that. I think it was a refreshing change because I felt like they tried to push that direction a little bit with the Book of Boba Fett, but they didn't quite nail that. I think they still held back a lot for a few reasons. But, yeah, dude, um, overall, mate, I think... Um, an eight and a half, and I I'm, I really love love this episode. I love the setup. I love the the uh, the harshness of it. So at the beginning in that scene, you know where he accidentally kills one of the sentry guards, and then you think, oh, he's crapped himself a little bit here, and he's going to do a runner. But then he executes the other guy, and you think, whoa, this is uh, this is some dark stuff. So from that point on, you kind of knew that it was going to be a bit tasty. But yeah. I really liked it, man. Really liked it. What about you? Yeah, same, dude. Um, I like the Torchwood comparison 
All of that always baffled me. Like, you can imagine that, can't you? Big Russell T. Is that Russell? Yeah. It's me. Who? Just this guy from BBC. I've got an idea for this spin-off. Yeah. I want it to be dark. Right? Yeah. I want it to be gritty. Well, grittier. Alright, yeah, 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 yeah. I want it to sort of be in universe, but certainly feel that it's for adults and to kind of be far less cheesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am in. I am in, in, in. Who are you thinking about for the lead? John Barrowman. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'll read you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's get him in. And that's Jazz what's ends. hilarious about Torture. And then they did it with Arrow, put him in a, a dark archer in Arrow. And he plays a bad guy. He's great. He does. He plays a bad guy. But then you see him doing interviews throughout and he's like, yeah, but the I can do jazz hands. Mm -hmm. So I fucking love that guy. He's, he's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's not Andor, but I just I just thought about it. But it's, uh, yeah, back to Andor. He, Cassian Andor, is, uh, it's funny because when he started in that... Uh, you know, that first or one of the first scenes in Rogue One where he leaves that spy, you know, the the, the, the the very British actor that was in Ashes to Ashes, he leaves him for dead with the stormtroopers. And you're like, oh, you bugger lugs. Like that's sort of his, that's his, uh, that's his level, you know? So I think I was not surprised when he executed the guy because I was like, oh, that's, that's the level he has to get to. He's the guy mm. that does the dirty work, you know, and it'd been a Tony Gilroy thing. He's the, he's the, the Jason Bourne, he's the, the sort of that underground kind of dirty spy of the rebellion, which it, so he had to have that sort of vibe. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think that first episode, same, I, I would put it up there, eight, eight and a half. Um, and and I, I feel like it was weird because, um, you know, the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett are filmed on this amazing volume stage and so is Obi-Wan. And you sort of didn't think you could tell. But then when you've watched Andor, you're like, that's not done on, and you can really tell. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Like, you can't tell that the others are filmed on it, but you can tell that Andor's not, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, so I do you know what, dude? I think that's got a lot to do with stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's an oversimplification, but what I mean is, when they're filming on the volume and they're doing like a desert scene or something like that, the most you've got is like a few, uh, a few bits of visual stuff on the ground. Mm. Like, you know, a little bit of a dust kicks up and the rest of it is all down to the, the visual effects guys afterwards. Whereas with Andor, you could tell that as people are running through sets or, you know, wherever it is locations, there's like wind that's kicking up. There's bits of rocks and stuff mm. going all over the place. And, and it's raining, you know, it's properly raining. You can tell that. And uh, and even some of the places that they filmed at, you can tell that it absolutely pissed down for days before. Yeah. Because all the ground was just waterlogged everywhere. So I think just the environmental stuff around all the sets and everything, that gave it away as well. The volume looks very clean, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, I think it benefited from that because it was supposed to be on this, this, this Bracca style, um, you know, dirty Fallen Order sort of, not era, but similar sort of feel to Fallen Order, the early scrap levels where it's, it is dirty, it is wet, it's a scrapper planet. Um, you know, and it, 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 it did feel like they'd achieved that 
nicely. You know, you felt like the planet was was a place where people go to hide, and and mm. and you know, if you can't get it there, you can't get it anywhere, sort of thing. As that as that annoyingly recognisable old guy said on that transport, I can't remember who he, he's in everything. Oh, that guy, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> no, I thought the first episode was very, very good. A lot of setup, but without doing setup, which I thought was nice. A lot of, you know, here's what the character of Andor is and does and sort of where he comes from. And then, um, so yeah, I'm with you. I think eight, eight and a half. And I think the feel of the entire thing, we weren't, we weren't let down from the trailers. You know, I think that's really important because that's what we were looking forward to most was, was the feel of it. And I think there's two other things I'd say about that first one. Um, it was the first time throughout all of the Star Wars TV shows where I've not wanted to pick my phone up, but mm. there was no action. You know, very little action. There was a little bit, but it was very, and I can't even believe I'm saying this about Star Wars. Like, it was very good dialogue. Apart from a couple of sketchy bits um, where the guy stops him in the street and he's like, hey, you owe me money. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that hit, his dialogue was terrible. But everyone else's and, and the way that it was written, it was just very good dialogue. And I was engaged through the dialogue, not because it's like, that's Obi-Wan throwing rocks at Anakin. You know what I mean? It was a very different type of engagement. Mm. Um, and so then the Anakin, second thing... Anakin didn't have the high ground. He just had the you think ground. You think he'd learn, wouldn't you? He had the, uh, the ground mm. on his mm. head a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, learn your lesson. Um... So it, it, there was that, the, 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 the first sort of thing that stood out to me was, wait a second, I am really engaged and there's nothing really going on, which is a great sign of, of good writing. You know, I thought that was a good sign. Um, and then the second thing with that first episode was that it, it wasn't your traditional pilot episode. And I think this goes for the first three <clears throat> in that, it didn't need to do what Mando did, which is, that's a baby Yoda. Wow. Next episode, please. And it didn't do what Bad Batch had to do. It didn't have a character like Boba Fett, like Boba Fett had. It, there was not, it didn't hook to anything other than we know Cassian Andor and we've seen him in like, what, an hour's worth of content. Um, and then I think kind of pushing, skipping ahead a bit, but getting to episode three when Skarsgård came in and he was clearly the rebel person. Like that could have easily been Saw Gerrera. I'm sure he'll pop up in the future. Got no doubt about that. It could have been Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma. It could have even been a Bail Organa or even a cameo from Leia, but they didn't. They didn't, they didn't do that. They just stayed away from it all. And it was all of the criticism, you know, all the nostalgia whiners and all of the people, <laughs> you know, talking about Easter eggs. Like if you look up Easter eggs from Andor, there's barely anything, barely anything. And I think it was better for that. And I just, I hope that it's, 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 it's a sign of the times where we can have this nostalgia. We can have this fan service train of thought. And that's badass for, for one reason. And then we've got this other deep, dark spy espionage, you know, really well put together type of content, which spurs on, other types of content that don't lean too much into into anything else. So yeah, I thought it was really well done, episode one. Um, episode two was a little, it was a little slower for me, I have to admit. Um, but what, what about this one, episode two? Where would you score this one? Um, it was, it, this was the one that seemed to just show that Andor was trying to make contact with someone. Mm -hmm. external to the planet 
you know mm. it, that was the one where you started to feel um some of the relationships flourish a little bit um where we start to get a feel for how he feels about people in uniform because of the ship on his home planet um and and just that relationship with Beck, this 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 girl that that, that that is a scrapper but clearly is you know communicating with the rebellion and so on so yeah how did you feel about the second episode yeah the second one it was definitely slower definitely but um i wouldn't say that was to its detriment i think it was I think it. I think the second one needed to be slower because otherwise you were at risk of just running away with the story a little bit. And I think because, as you mentioned earlier, we've got quite a few episodes to get through. If you start to peak too early, then you you run into that you know that risk of you don't want to follow the the typical path of like leading up to a big mid series thing because TV is not like that anymore. It's not like the old days where a lot of US shows you sort of built up to this big mid season mini finale then you had a break you know and then you'd go off to the second half building up to the big quote-unquote proper finale so i think if you don't slow it down at this point and really establish your characters remember we spoke about this oh a week or so ago when we were talking about the emotional investment that you have with characters so when somebody dies on screen in something like the rise of skywalker you just sort of shrug your shoulders and you're like yeah someone's died you know it's it's a bit meh so i think fair play to to um who is it uh tony gilroy is it tony gilroy who wrote it um for taking the time early on to get to know some of these characters and get to um form some kind of attachment to them at least because it's really easy in something like this i i feel anyway to just write it off as like yeah but you've seen andor in rogue one so you know what the crack is so let's just crack on and do some typical Star Wars action stuff and and all that. And I don't think that would, I think that would miss the point of what we're trying to do with Andor. We're trying to establish the 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 excuse the pun the spark of that rebellion from someone's point of view that is not your typical. I'm this mystical person that can do magic. We're trying to get away from that a little bit and you know ground it a bit more so i think for this episode it needed to slow down a little bit and really get inside and um cassian's head as to why he's doing the things he's doing it can't just be all about oh i've got this you know expensive bit of imperial kit and i want to shift it on the black market or to whoever and then just bugger off for a bit it can't just be about that because they could have done that in episode one so i would give this one an eight because I still really loved the the whole vibe of the story. I think it was a really nice carry-on and stuff, so I really liked the vibe of it. And I really appreciated them slowing it down. Not slowing it down, but you know, keeping it at a fairly mm. slow pace at this point and allowing us to understand why Cassian is, is doing this. Because you can tell that he's distanced himself from Bex a little bit. And although she's moved on, it looks like, and she's with this other dude, but she still likes him. <laughs> There's that kind of weird thing going on that allowed you to think, actually, all of these big sagas that we've watched over the years and the decades where you have this person that loves that person, something bad happens and blah, blah, blah. This is showing us that that is still happening and has happened throughout the galaxy on a much smaller scale. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't care about it any less just because it's not some big tentpole character it's happening to. So... Yeah, I still liked it, dude. An eight for me. What about you? 
Yeah, again, man, I would I would agree. I I, I feel it. It um, it was interesting because it began to paint Cassian as this this sort of dedicated to the cause, but you don't know what the cause is. And because yeah, yeah. of that, a bit of a letdown to everyone around him. You know, he owes money to everyone. He's living hand to mouth. He's robbing Peter to pay Paul. He's, <clears throat> you know, he's 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 the. He's the Clark Kent to the Lois, you know, that, look, yeah, I've had enough. You want to go and do that thing and be Superman? I'm I'm out. You know, he's that sort of, he's got that thing going on with Beck. But then it was, it was you're right about the pacing and it, you're right. It's difficult to explain that it wasn't slowing it down. It was just investing time. And it was... Like, I think that episode would have annoyed people had they released it on its own. You know, imagine that's episode seven. That people have been like, oh, nothing really happened. But as the middle bit of the initial inciting incident in episode one, and then what happened in episode three, where he ends up off planet, I think you needed that middle bit because when he, in episode three, when he did leave planet, you're like, fuck, is he, he generally wants to get back. Like, he wants to get back to his maternal figure. He wants to get back to, to Beck. He wants to get back to the friends that helped him out. And and they needed that middle bit to, to lay it up, you know? So I, I agree, man. And I, I think it was it was interesting because it, it, it was the episode that made you realise that although he was doing, he was fighting for something, it wasn't the rebellion. You know, when we see him in Rogue One, he's very much a rebel. And he's like... The Empire are shits. But in this, he wasn't. It wasn't until episode three when someone else said, do you not want to take these fuckers down? And even then he didn't answer. He was like, do you want this thing or not? So it makes you <laughs> wonder, and I think that's why it's quite interesting how they've lined a few things up. You know, the Imperial box MacGuffin. Was, is, could that have been a Republic box? Could that have been a, 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 a box from... The rebellion could it? Does it matter that it's imperial? Do, is he doing that because it's valuable or because it's imperial? You know what I mean. And I think mm. it's just because it's valuable based on the way it was done. And we've not. So he's not. He's not become the rebel yet. He's just very good at getting this stuff. And and, and I think they they made an important point of not letting the stormtroopers be the people hunting him. It was we've seen it in uh, Fallen Order and a few other bits of material outside of. Um, TV and movies where, you know, underneath the moths are these corporate sector security elements that police their own subsections and subsectors of sectors who then report into the Imperial troops, uh, sorry, into the moth, who then take it back up. And um, that's how the order of the galaxy is, you know. So I think it was a smart move for them to have just the corporate angle to it because that could have easily just been an officer of the empire and a, and a, and a battalion or, a, you know, whatever of storm, but it, it wasn't. And it, I think that was a very conscious choice to keep it ambiguous. Um, they were after him for that crime. It wasn't empire after a rebel. It was local police after bad guy. You know, that was it. And the yeah. fencing of the Imperial box, the tracking box, um, that was completely separate. That was him just happening to know someone that can fence gear to what he's not yet called the rebellion that he used to go out with. And that is separate, completely unrelated, you mm -hmm. know? And, and then there's the other story why he was on the other planet 
looking for someone from his own planet. You know, that's another thread to it. So I thought they were really smart moves, man. And and, and that sort of leads me to that point from earlier, you know, that ship that landed on his, on, is it Canary, the, the, the planet mm-hmm. that he's from? It was interesting that they were separatists because they had the separatist logo on. Can't see it being republic. So, you know, the, 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 the two people that found him who became the maternal and we assume the paternal elements in his life um, clearly said that, and this is episode three, but you've taken a republic officer down, but that ship, when it came down and the pe- when you saw the people, they were, they were separatists. So mm-hmm. you got to think, was that on purpose? You know, is, does Cassian grow up believing, because for all intents and purposes, the Republic just rebranded as, you know, to the, we know there's a bad guy in charge and we've seen the Skywalker saga bring the bad guy down, but to the public at large, it's just a rebrand and a dictatorship, you know, bit of a big one, but Mm. it's just Republic is now Empire. So is that part of that story where it's like, actually, we took the separatists down and you know, that, 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 that accidental killing, they've said the, the, the Republic and, and is, is, is that some sort of catalyst for him to think the Republic are bad? You know, you've taken down a Republic officer who in turn killed your friend. And that's where this disdain for the empire stems from. Yeah, sure. There's the oppression and everything else later, but does it come from that, that pure fact that he thought those initially were Republic, which, for all intents and purposes, Tim just change into the just change into the empire, you know, mm. and it gets worse under the. So it's, I just thought there was some interesting choice in that second episode, um, yeah, which we'll find yeah. out about later, I guess. Yeah, dude. No, I completely agree. I think, um, it, I think, I think he needs something more than just the empire's bad or perceived as being bad. You know, it needs otherwise that would be just really shallow and. Yeah, it's got to be personal, isn't it? Has to be, yeah, because as we've established, he's a sort of character that is not your typical. He's not your typical rebel at this point. He he's not aware of the potential galaxy-changing consequences of Palpatine becoming emperor at this point. He just has this kind of. There's, I think, there's this cloud that's just over the majority of the galaxy at this point in the timeline. It's just, um, like you said, the Republic has been rebranded into the Empire and it's just not a good idea to talk about standing up to the Empire or any kind of resistance or, you know, rebellion. It's just nothing. It's just not the sort of thing that you speak about. And it's just this big kind of generic thing throughout the galaxy. So that can't be why he aligns himself so much with like, you know, the the quote-unquote goodies, even though they, he doesn't know if they're goodies at this point or, or who they are. Like with this guy that turns up, um, Luthan, you know, Skellen, he doesn't he doesn't know anything at this point other than, yeah, I've got this kind of deep hatred for for these guys, but not enough at this point, I don't think, to certainly join any sort of rebel cell or go off and do anything nuts like we saw him when we eventually see him anyway in Rogue One. So I think at this point, I agree. I think he's just trying to get rid of this bit of kit for some for some Wonga. I don't think he cares if it's Imperial or not. I think it's just a bonus that it happens to be Imperial because it's like, it's like the RTX graphics card of the PC world. It's not some little budget 
thing. You How know? have you got a fucking wife? <laughs> I don't own a, a an RTX graphics. That's probably worse. It'd be yeah. better if you did, because then you've got a reason to know what it is. It, dude, I'm just a slave to the marketing. That's all it is. Yes, you are. Yes, you're Absolutely. a slave to the retargeting. Yeah. So yeah, I was. <laughs> I would say that uh, at this point. There has to be something that's making him be this way because he's clearly not falling in line and it's just working a nine to five, putting up with it like most of the other dudes. He's, there's clearly something there that's that's driving him to to want to do that. And then to your other point, um, actually not this point about this episode, but you mentioned it about the first episode and that is the, the British casting and how this is written and stuff. Mate, this was just, uh, this is going to sound very weird. But this could this didn't need to be Star Wars, in a way. This could have been like this real kind of generic sci-fi, gritty mm. Netflix show. Um, that was very cool in that way. And which brings me on to back around to this episode. There was really good interactions between um, our new primary bad guy, I guess. Um, uh, what's his name? Cyril Khan, and he teams up with this equally kind of ambitious, obnoxious, um, you know, dude. Uh, What's his name? Let me find it. Moss. His name's Trevor. Trevor. <laughs> Trevor. Little more. Where's the <laughs> Imperial box, little more? <laughs> Have an iron in your face, you shit. <laughs> He's everywhere, that lad. He is, isn't he? Yeah, like he is. <laughs> Alex Ferns is called, and it's like you can imagine as well, right? So Tony Gilroy, he sat there next to Russell T, right? Yep. Got a new TV show. What's he called? Andor. Right. What do you need? Actors. Right. Where does it matter? Where from? No. Doesn't matter. Right. Follow me. Follow me. <laughs> EastEnders. Who you got? Give me them. Because I'm gonna use them all. There's like 14 <laughs> characters that were played by people from EastEnders. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. Especially little Mo. She'll be bloody going crazy seeing Trevor doing well for himself yeah Trevor although he's put on a few he's eating a few pork pies isn't he uh, he was him. in Chernobyl as well yeah he went mm. through a bloody roll of bad luck didn't he he's gone through a lot of a lot of, you know yeah uh, do you know what I love as well I know this is a digression <laughs> like I know that a lot of planets have got a north and I, I know that it's galactic <laughs> basic but Scottish is fucking <laughs> Scottish <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not like on 10 or 20 or a thousand planets in the galaxy, there's going to be a place that develops an accent like Scotland. Surely, surely not. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it does. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? Where these people have originated from. Then you're right. There must be, come on, there must be a planet somewhere that's just Scottish. It must be like... <laughs> Proper kilts, castles, haggis, the lot. I don't know. It's but it was be. weird. It was weird. It was. It was. And he was, uh, he's always good, isn't he? Because he's so intense, but his face is so like, just red. You're mm. like, sit down, Trevor. Sit <laughs> down. And then he's, when they were running, I'm like, no. <laughs> don't let him run. <laughs> don't want he that off, hands he was, <laughs> he was off like a shot but I think uh, the reason why he's so red it's nothing it's the whiskey mate you know the 
I'm sure we have some Scottish listeners. We love you guys, but you guys love love a drink and love a whiskey. Jesus. You love your whiskey. Ah, he was good though. He was like, because when he walked in, you know, he's all military and stuff and he's like, <laughs> there's only one way to keep the tools shut up and that's to use them. You're like, right. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's not a saying. That's, yeah. <laughs> you can't <laughs> just tell you, what are you doing, Trevor? You're like, Trevor, you're not talking yeah. to little Mo now. She's not going to believe everything you say. This guy's an officer and the officer's like, no, I definitely believe you. I'm in. <laughs> I was disappointed he didn't come in and, and call Cyril Shagger. All right, Shagger. <laughs> All right, Shagger. <laughs> you got some bad guys you need me to sort out for you. <laughs> well, actually, yes, that'd be very good. Now, you, I, f- I feel as though you're mutting on me a little bit. <laughs> this Andor guy. He's a right pain in your ass, isn't he? <laughs> now, it, it just made me laugh, man, that just everyone was from EastEnders. Like the guy that... Uh, uh, it's clearly like going to be the paternal guy that rescued Andor with, uh, is it Mariva from the, the, the separatist ship? Oh, from him. EastEnders. From EastEnders, yeah. I've forgotten his name though. I haven't seen EastEnders in literally 15 years or something, but I remember him from That's it, when they're all from. Yeah. <laughs> Out of work, mate. Yeah. There's this uh, production going on. You're going to put your name Take in? Take your CV. CV in. Yeah. <laughs> Get a what CV were you in? to you in. EastEnders. How long ago? Fifth, uh, we can... That's a payment yeah. as much. That's the threshold. They don't remember. But it was, a good, it was a good relationship that's formed between those two, though. Because you don't know what... Um, you don't know what Mosk has up his sleeve. Because why was he so eager to help out um, uh, Khan? Why was he so eager to get this operation done and nailed? What's in it for him? Because at the minute, yeah. he's just... He's not serving any kind of greater cause. He's just he just wants to make sure the mission's accomplished. But why does he want to do it so badly? You know. Yeah. So that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah. So you almost feel like that that officer, um, obviously clearly out of his depth, doing what he thinks is the right thing. Um, you know, insubordination by ignoring his his his, his direct superior. Um, and and you've just you've just got to think that that Trevor's out for out for the job or out to you know, discredit him or something, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be something more to that. I completely agree. But um, yeah, I thought episode two was, it was, it was a nice expositional episode without being expositional. Um, You know, it wasn't just, oh no, Cassian, remember when you left your home planet because this thing happened, which a lot of Star Wars can get a bit like that. Um, And yeah, so I agree, man. Whilst the pace was a little slower, it was, to the benefit, I think, of, of the story and to the episodes. And it's sort of why, you can see why they released three episodes. You know, this three episode arc was there to get him off planet and to establish how he was and how he felt and what he was like and to give him some ties to this planet so that when he left, it felt more difficult for him to leave. And then because we know that he doesn't come back in Rogue One, that gives it the emotional gravitas. You know, when he's saying, I'll come back, I will be back. I'm going to come back in episode three. Um, you, you probably isn't, you know, mm. you probably isn't. So let's skip, let's skip to episode three then. So we've got mm. an eight and a half, we've got an eight. Um, and I'm with you on both of those. Episode three, introduction of Stellan Skarsgård as Luthien, um, digging into more the relationship um, with his, is it Mariva the, or, or whatever her name is, the, the, the more maternal um, kind of person in Cassian's life who took him off the separatist ship um, and told him it was a Republic ship. Um, 
betrayal by what's his name? Tim. Tim. Oh, Tim. Tim. Let me say. Let me say. Two M's. Two M's. So it's Star Warsy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> keep it edgy. Um, betrayal. Um, a bit of a siege, and just a lot of good, interesting stuff in this episode. Um, not that much more pacey, but felt. Uh, or felt more action-packed because of the siege at the end of it. So um, we ended up with the duality of Cassian leaving his home planet in the past, in the during the Clone Wars, clearly the Clone Wars, and then in the present, or five years BBY, him leaving what looks to be his adopted planet um, to go off and, and, and work with Luthien and, and what we assume and pretty much guarantee is going to be the Rebellion. Um, so what do you think of this one? How would you rate it? What do you think of this episode, episode three? Yeah, so episode three for me is back up just a wee bit, up to an 8.5 again for me, because we did have some scenes that were reasonably slower paced again, like episode two, but it was interlaced with these, this kind of siege, if you like, where you saw the town coming together. So, you know, in the trailer ages ago, when we saw the dudes up in the tower and they were banging the thing, there seems to be this whole um, this whole way of rallying all the people together when there's some kind of threat or whatever. You have these dudes that bang on that and then down on the ground you have the dudes banging the rest of the thing. And there was quite a nice build-up to it as well when uh, the character you're talking about, her name's Marva, she's there and she's being sort of, you know, accosted a little bit by these, by these pre-more security dudes and these police dudes. And after the initial panic, she's quite calm and they're like, you know, just tell us where Andor is, you know, you know, you guys aren't going to get out of it sort of thing. But then she's like, yeah, don't worry. She's like, I think she says something on the lines of, you don't need to worry now. What you need to worry about is when the noise stops, because that's when, you know, sort of shit goes down. So she, um, she plays that really, that, that kind of initial, like shit, what's going to happen to Andor? You know, is he going to be okay? What's going on to like, just calm kind of, you know, the people are going to sort it out sort of thing. So interlace with these, uh, slower scenes that we've seen with Andor um, with these more kind of typical action scenes that we've seen in things like the Mandalorian and, and stuff like that, where it's sort of, you know, in the, the, the suburban streets, the shootout and stuff like that. The thing that I did thought was kind of cool was the scene where him and Luthan are in the warehouse, you know, the derelict area and the police are sort of closing in and they're really trying to like Andor's desperate to sort of close the deal. If you like, he's like, I don't care what's going on with you. I just want this thing sold so I can get out of here. And then Luthan starts to lay out these, these facts and, you know, these recollections about his past. And you can see the cogs turning straight away in his head. He's like, how do you know this about me? How do you know this about? So I love that whole scene there and it builds up and they're right on the door. And he's like, you think like, shit, how are they going to get out of this sort of thing? But then like this Luthan guy, he's obviously a little bit of a ninja. He knows what he's doing. He's rigged the place with bombs and he knows the exit strategy and, and all that stuff. So I really love that. And then the uh, the dudes getting their comeuppance. So we had Tim, yeah, Chaucer, Canterbury. Yeah, why the move? He saw him get his comeuppance a little bit. Just the green-eyed monster, man, let him down. Always gets you. Always gets you. So he got, he got his comeuppance and then um the uh the fact that they sort of outwitted uh Khan and Mosk 
and the look on their faces when they blew up the wrong speeder and then those two like legged it off, you know, in the correct one and stuff like that. So for that reason alone, it goes, the score goes up a little bit more again for me. But so yeah, I liked it, dude. A little bit quicker, a bit like episode one, but really sort of ends this first trifecta of setup episodes, I think anyway. I think from episode four, we are going to see a little bit of Mon Mothma, perhaps, mm-hmm. a little bit more groundwork into the wider story of these rebel cells and so on. So, yeah, to round out this first sort of little trilogy, good, excellent. Yeah, mm. I agree, man. You? Yeah, I feel. I honestly feel exactly the same. I, I, I think it was very well executed. It felt like it was, you know, one big pilot episode that they they sort of had to break down into three acts and have three episodes because of it um and i think it was structured nicely because of that i think it was put together reasonably well from that that side of things you know that that's um that from a real basic storytelling perspective that whole three episode arc was just the reason to getting bought into going somewhere with someone you know which happens to be part of the rebellion and it, it will be interesting to see what they do with time jumps i know the second season you know this is apparently being treated as a 24 episode story arc it's not like here's a season one and then maybe we'll get a season two so we need to tell a story in season one it's intended to be 24 episodes um and they've admitted there's going to be time jumps they've admitted there's going to be a lot of that sort of stuff so i'm curious um as to whether we'll see that because being completely honest i was surprised that he wasn't working for the rebellion before five years bby I thought it was going to be, let's skip back in time and see him working for the Rebellion like 10 years before and 15 years before. And I was pleasantly surprised that it was, oh, actually didn't get recruited until, you know, probably a year before Rebel starts. You know, it's so, and and, and it, that's very late in the timeline for all the Rebel cells because you heard all these little, you know, you, you heard, uh, Big Trev talking about all these little cells, these little units that were coming together, and you know clearly talking about the rebellion, and all these rebel cells that were just starting to uh, become more known and potentially organised, depending on what you infer from that. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised that it was he, he's still relatively fresh. He's only been there four years, five years, when you know he sacrificed himself for the entire cause. That's quite an indoctrination. So. Mm. I was pleasantly surprised by that. So I'm curious about what the time jumps will do, if anything. Like I, I would imagine, I would be shocked if, because we're going to see K2SO in episode in season two, I'd be shocked if this doesn't roll like Rogue One did directly into A New Hope. I'll be shocked if this doesn't roll straight into Rogue One. Like the next scene would be the scene from Rogue One. If you were to cut it off, I would, I would be shocked. I think we'll probably see like Yavin 4 and how they established the base there and, you know, where do they bail from Dantooine and are they on Dantooine now? And so I think you're going to see a lot of crossover um, thematically with like things like rebels and, and logistically as well. Like, okay, there's a rebel base there and the rebels are over there doing that. And then Cassian's over here doing this, but the base is still Dantooine or whatever. So I, I, I think that it was wise to keep those three episodes away from that because everything would have been dominated by that cameo or by that, that throwaway line or by that um, inference that something else was going on and there was nothing. It didn't need it. I think it was really nice 
to see it be self-contained, man. So I'm excited. I think I think so far our trust has, has been well-placed in it and, and sort of rewarded a little bit with something that's clearly very, very uh, mature in its tone and seems to have a bit more depth, shall we say. Um, yeah. So when it comes to yeah. sitting this then, just off the first three episodes, how do you feel for you it compares to things like Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, um, they're the only two, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously, they're the only three that we've seen in live action. Like, where does it sit? How does it feel against those? What's it? How does it compare? Or, you know, if you were to kind of stack them up against each other? Hmm. So I think, I think you nailed it. I think because this seems to have more depth to it, it has a bit more, I don't know, because it has more substance, I feel like it's, it has more to give over those 24 episodes, I think, because with something like The Mandalorian, although that really set the tone for, okay, we've had the the films done and out the way. This is now the new kind of, not era of Star Wars, but the new era of how we tell Star Wars stories through through TV and Disney Plus and whatnot. It kind of set the trend a little bit for, for that by showing that you can you can tell really good Star Wars stories in the same time period as Luke, but not showing Luke, if that makes sense. Um, so I think this takes that another step further. Like we're clearly not going to see Luke in this, I don't think. You know, I, I, will we see Leia? Maybe, probably, I don't know. But it feels like we've got a real rock solid um, story that's got enough depth to it and enough intrigue to carry you through and see what's going to happen throughout the next couple of seasons. I think stack it up against them. I would say at the moment, visually, it's hard because it's it's almost like, it's, it's easy to compare, in my opinion anyway, The Mandalorian to The Book of Boba Fett because they were so even in their, in their design and their artistic look and feel and narratively they were quite similar how you how you told the story whereas this i don't know it's like apples and oranges it, it feels like it's a lot more outside of the the inner circle of typical star warsy stuff if that makes sense so it does stack up but it's just on its own little road at the minute the other two are on the same road you know this is on its own little little b road somewhere and I'm cool with that, mate. I love that. I think it's a good, I think it's a great opportunity to tell something different. And it really makes me feel like they missed a massive trick back in the day when they had that video game announced in development, that Star Wars 1313, which was going to tell that darker, grittier story going into the lower depths of Coruscant and playing not a Jedi, but this kind of dark and or toss type um, type character that's a bit darker and stuff like a mix between the mandalorian and andor and they canned it because they felt like it's not star warsy enough it doesn't adhere to the whole we need magic in this and we need you know all the rest of it so yeah a bit long-winded dude but i think yeah it's it stacks up but it's it's comfortably on its own road yeah i quite literally have nothing to add to that because that's exactly how i've described it as well i think you're completely right it's Star Wars, but it's its own path. It feels Star Wars, but doesn't feel too Star Wars that people are like, it's fucking same old Star Wars. You know, it, it's, it's, this is about rebellion. This is about oppression. This is about an empire. 
Because, because I think some of the words that get thrown about within Star Wars, if you were to use them in any other context, rebellion, empire, you they, 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 they've got so much more gravitas when they're not in the Star Wars universe because Star Wars is wizards with laser swords that can move things with their mind and, you know, cute, naive farm boys that go off and do amazing things without really that much training, rinse and repeat. And we love it for that. That's what it's become. And, and, but then that's why we show up. That's why we love it. But I think this, it, it literally, it takes the words that we're used to and it makes you realize what those words actually mean in real life. And it, it tries to tell a story around those words as we would see them here, not in Coruscant or Tatooine or in that universe. It's it's okay. Rebellion is hard. It's dangerous. It's dirty. And empires that are run by dictators, you know, are, are, are generally bad. You know, they're pretty bad. And a lot of people do really bad stuff to good people or just to people that they don't even know because they just can. And I think... Anytime we've seen that in Star Wars, it's felt good. It's felt fresh. It's felt refreshing. And it's felt like, actually, shit, this is, you know, there are stakes here. And I think this just adds to that. So, yeah, I agree, man. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, I can see why it could be difficult for people that didn't know to understand that this and Mandalorian were in the same universe. I can totally get that. I can totally understand mm why people would think that and this feels much more like well, it sounds weird but it feels much more like Bad Batch you it know does. yeah which yeah. is very interesting talk about this forever let's stick a pin in it because this is uh, we, we are going to go on about this for a long long time but suffice to say Andor has delivered for Gaz and I so far it's piqued our interest let us know what you thought sparkrebellion.com forward slash twitter do let us know what you thought and we are going to be doing this for the next nine weeks if there's any pertinent news that comes anything big or anything that's interesting we'll sprinkle it in we'll give it a smattering um, but for the next nine weeks it is going to be discussing and or maybe we'll get some guests on as well just to kind of mix things up that would be quite interesting actually guys maybe we'll do that um, see who else wants to chat and or but like I said do let us know at sparkrebellion.com slash twitter what you think all right we're going to wrap it just there. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to episode 172. Guys, always a pleasure. Thanks for riding shotgun, my man, and uh, providing some accurate thoughts when it comes to how we're thinking about Andor. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next week, my man. It's been, it's been a ride. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, Steve. I knew that we'd be aligned on this one because although we kind of dismissed it a little bit when they announced it back at whenever it was, uh, we've actually looked forward to it and it's delivered like you said these first three at least so all good times all good times and uh, we'll probably get Diego on at some point Diego Lynn we'll get him on we'll, he probably wants to come on and talk about some things anyway so yeah we'll do that until uh, until that though um, it's been great to chat to you about Andrew and uh, to keep our listeners informed about what's going on if um, if you want us to uh, uh, to carry on with the kind of keeping it light and fluffy then let us know as Mark said at the beginning hit us up on the Twitter 
sparkofrebellion.com forward slash twitter or if you're happy for us to go in and real deep and do the spoilery stuff then just let us know we'll we'll do whatever you guys want us to do on that also make sure that you are um, supporting the show if you like us if you like Spark Rebellion you want to support us do that on the Patreon sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and join our other patrons and thank you so much to you guys for your continued support we love you so until next week for the next episode take care of yourselves and may the force be with you always